Well, a happy Tuesday night, everybody, and welcome into another edition of This Week in Hockey. Two straight hours of hockey talk along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. I am Alex Ferrario, and we are with you every Tuesday night to start a rest of the week hockey content for you. Tomorrow night, it's the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show, where Chris Kerber is in a bit of a profiling Blues head coaches, and I believe Al Arbor is up next for the St. Louis Blues. That comes your way tomorrow night, then on Thursday. It's Play Glory, the St. Louis Blues run to the cup, presented by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating, and brought to you by McDonald's as we bring you Game 6 of the Blues and Winnipeg Jets. And then on Friday night, it's Game 1 of the Blues and Dallas Stars. From now until Friday night, we got you covered on your hockey conversation. But fellas, first things first, we uh, we have a bit of news to kind of talk about from the St. Louis Blues angle. But before we get into that, I'd say hello, welcome, and I hope both of you are doing well. Doing just fine. How you doing at uh, home there in Kirkwood, Joe? Everyone's doing well here, Curbs. The homeschooling, you know, a lot of a lot of family time. It's been great. Uh, but uh, I'm sure excited to take a little break to talk to you fellows for the next couple hours. I can tell you that. Well, and uh, as he's talking about plenty to, plenty to get into for the St. Louis Blues, uh, a newsworthy week for Doug Armstrong, who was a very busy man. I believe it was consecutive days. First, it was Sammy Blay who got the contract extension with the St. Louis Blues. Then it was Marco Scandella who will join us in our next segment tonight. And then on Friday, it was Mackenzie McEachern to wrap up a very busy week for the Blues president of hockey operations, Curbs. It was a very busy week, and it's one of those kind of weeks that even though a pause in the season is there, you can't just wait for everything else to happen and then all of a sudden realize you might have a week to try and get everything done. There's no doubt that the moves that Doug Armstrong made were moves that he was planning on making, and we're going to hear from him a little later on in the show. He joined Stalter and Rivers, as you mentioned earlier today, so that'll come your way in the second segment of, of our number two of the program. But to me, not any one of these moves surprised me. You had Blay, a restricted free agent who I do still think the Blues still envisioned could knock on the door of a second-line type role. And then and Mackenzie McEachern. Now, we'll get into the Scandella one in a moment. Joe, let's start with Blay and, and McEachern. Sammy Blay, uh, when he's in shape, when he really kind of started to figure things out, you could see the impact he could have. This could end up proving to be quite a, a terrific sixth-round pick for the St. Louis Blues. You don't get many low-round picks that could have the kind of impact that Sammy Blay could have. No, I, I agree, Curbs. I thought he was – Fabulous in the postseason last year. The only thing that stands out about Sammy Blay, even though he's dealt with some injuries this year, when he comes back in the lineup, whether it was in the postseason last year or anytime this year when he's injured, he comes back, he has an immediate dent on the game, an immediate impact right away because he understands his strengths and he uses his strengths. When we lost Pat Maroon, we lost a lot of size. We lost a net front presence. Sammy Blade, to me, he really filled that void. Maybe not from a vocal standpoint, but as far as getting to the front of the net, using his big body, being physical, Sammy Play uh, is certainly is worth the money for the re-signing. Another thing to consider here, guys, NHL, you better have a head coach that likes you. Craig Berube loves this kid. We talk about it all the time in the hallway. Whenever Sammy Blade's having a bad game or having a bad stretch, uh, Craig Berube's never down on him. He, he believes in this kid. He understands what he brings to the table and how valuable he is to the system that this coach is trying to implement every single night. Uh, when you have a head coach is on your side, 
it's a good feeling. So this is a great signing for the Blues. Well, the biggest thing with Sammy Blay has just been injuries. I mean, if you look at the start of this past season, I mean, he was playing on that top line for a little bit with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. He played a little bit with Shannon Schwartz once uh, Vladimir Tarasenko went down. And he was productive. He was scoring goals kind of on a consistent basis. But those injuries aren't like fluke injuries. They're injuries from a guy who's very physical on the ice, who's trying to be in the midst of plays, who's trying to finish his checks. Unfortunately for Sammy, it's just been to the cost of missing two or three weeks, which kind of takes him out of the lineup. Well, but therein lies part of the Sammy Blake conundrum. And that is him being in good enough shape to handle that style of play on a regular basis in the National Hockey League. And it takes, man, I don't care how many times somebody tells a player this, it just takes experience to get there to truly understand it. Even somebody like Robert Thomas, it just takes playing to understand it. And part of it is if you're going to play the game a certain way, Joe, your body has to be able to take the abuse it has to be able to take the physicality pounding that it's going to take and to do that you have to be in a certain shape you the, the it being in shape is not just can you skate forever and can you ride a bike forever it's can you handle the actual rigors of the season well i think sammy blade proved that he can guys it was this year you know he gets hurt in that game we saw the replay of the hit yep didn't look like too crazy of a hit but he finishes the entire game so all of us are thinking at the end of the game, you know, Sammy, uh, he had a little bit of a hiccup injury or he missed the next practice or something. So we're all thinking, oh, he's probably just a maintenance day. He finishes the game. It turns out later he's got to get surgery. We find out the next day he's getting surgery. He's going to be out six to eight weeks, I think was the prognosis. And we're sitting there thinking like, this is a tough kid. I mean, he has wrist surgery now and he just finishes the hockey game, even though that hit hurt happened, I believe, in the first period. Uh, being in shape, withstanding hits, uh, being, you know, tough in the corners and, and having the body to do that. Uh, one of the knacks on Sammy Blay three years ago was that he came to, to camp out of shape. Is it typical for a young kid to do? Absolutely. It happens yep. all the time. When these players figure that out and move forward, realizing that they need to take ownership of their bodies, not only during the season, but in the off season, um, it, it, it sends a message to the organization. Uh, these players come in, there's a pull-up test. There's a bike test. There's a push-up test. It, it sounds silly. These are hockey players. What does it matter? Well, it matters because the general manager and the coach – they want to see how dedicated you are because if you're dedicated to your off-ice workout and your fitness and your conditioning during the summer, if you're if you're dedicated to that, I tell you what, you're going to be dedicated to this team. When the game's on the line in the third period, we know your commitment level is at an all-time high. So it just sets a standard. It just sends a message. Finally, I think Sammy Blay last season, uh, excuse me, the season before last now, comes into camp in great shape. Him and Jordan Cairo, to me, really stood out as some of the best players, not only as rookies, but in the entire camp. He makes a team out of camp, and really, I think the confidence just started brewing for young number nine. Well, and speaking of toughness, you talk about the other player that was signed, Mackenzie McEachern, who has found himself playing on the fourth line an awful lot. But for a span there this season, he wouldn't come out of the lineup. It was it was Mackenzie McEachern playing with Ivan Barbashev and Oscar Sundquist, and he went on a little bit of a run there of scoring some goals. But more than anything, it's like what Joe mentioned, Curbs. You get a guy who the head coach loves to play, and that's Mackenzie McEachern, just like Sammy Blay. There's a spot for you in this lineup. Well, there is. And at the same time, while there was a good stretch where he couldn't come out of the lineup, there was a stretch where he couldn't get back in again. Mm -hmm. And that is the consistency that you've got to learn. That's why I think a one-year deal at the value that they got is good for both. And it, and it's a depth player. And it's up to him to, to continue to go and to play that way. But I, I do think, Joe, that 
somebody like Mackenzie McEachern is, is not only going to have to find a way to consistently stay in the lineup, which means you've got to bring that certain level of play, but in this system, and more importantly, in today's National Hockey League, you, he's going to have to find a way to chip in with a little more offense from time to time, too. Well, he is. I mean, he's got the attitude for it, though. You know, you see players that are like Mackenzie McEachern. Every team's got one or two of them. They're in, they're out. They're in, they're out. They're in, they're out. It's like a, a roller coaster of emotions. Some players really have the attitude like, oh, guess I'm out again. And, oh, well, I guess I'll live the fight of the day tomorrow. I guess I'll go to dinner and not play tomorrow. Hopefully get the next one. They kind of have this nonchalant way of looking about it. Mackenzie McKenzie, Mackenzie McEachern, excuse me, does not. I remember talking to him after one game where he was in, then he was out. And he was frustrated. He was pissed off. I mean, he wants to play. He's kind of got that fire inside of him. And when he does play, he adds something to this team that not a lot of players uh, have the ability to do, which is their speed. Um, John Stanbrook, the skating coach for the St. Louis Blues, raved about his speed last year when I had a discussion with him during a Blues practice about who are some of the players on this team that you just stand out as great skaters. And right away, he said, Mackenzie McEachern. You see for how tall he is, how long his stride is, it's efficient. He gets there very quick. The Blues, one of the knacks about this team, even going back to last year, was maybe they're not the quickest team in the world, so they better have good direct lines and they better be sharp with their passing. Mackenzie McEachern definitely does bring an element of speed, which when he is in the lineup, you're right, Curves, when he's in there, uh, it definitely can be an added factor for an opponent to handle. The player in the signing that so many people were talking about was Marco Scandella as he signs the four-year contract extension worth $3.275 million per year. And with that extension came the question of what happens with Alex Petrangelo. We'll get to that in a minute. But you first start with just the Scandello contract extension in terms of the uncertainty, but what looks like Jay Bowmeister's essential retirement at the end of this season because of um, the 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 situation that happened in Anaheim but then also the success that the Blues had once they brought in Marco Scandella curves of the winning streak with him on the ice his familiarity with the central division it seemed like the perfect piece of the puzzle for Doug Armstrong and this Blues team guys this to me makes absolutely good sense irrespective of anything to deal with Alex Petrangelo um, yes, it helps to have him if you cannot sign Alex. But Marco appeared in that locker room extremely comfortable right from the start. You could tell he was electrified to have gone from two teams that were not going to make the playoffs that he played for this year, two months in Montreal and then the beginning of the season with Buffalo, to St. Louis to the defending champs that had a chance to repeat. He was excited to be back in the Central Division. He knew a couple of players in the locker room. And we'll hear from him in, in the next segment here. But I'm telling you, when when you look at the St. If, if Jay Bo Meester does not go down, the Blues probably do not make this trade. When you look at what the Blues probably would have done with, with Jay Bo Meester, they probably would have re-signed him for another year on a one-year deal mm-hmm. because of the play was still at a great level of playing with Colton Pareko. The signing of Marco Scandella, and we make the assumption that Jay, that the, the, the career is done. I know he hasn't announced anything yet, but if you just assume that he's not going to be able to come back and play, you just brought in a player that in 11 games shows to be able to really complement Colton Pareko very well. I mean, they played fantastic hockey together. Yeah. And and you get him at basically the same price that you had Jay Bomeister and the guy's six years younger. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, this is a smart play whether or not 
you were going to re-sign Alex Petrangelo or not. This is filling a hole that you didn't expect you were going to have. Well, again, it's going to be on that left side, uh, Curbs. And, and for people to understand what it's like for Marco Scandella and what he just stepped into, he's coming to play with Colton Pareko. And we're going to talk to Marco here a little bit later. But, I mean, Colton Pareko, for the size and how he skates and his maturity and his confidence and how he is evolving as an NHL player, to compare it, I've said this before and, I, and I'm, I'm sincere about it, for a defenseman to come to a new team it, it, and to play with Colton Pareko is like a right winger going up to Pittsburgh and playing with Sidney Crosby or maybe a right winger going up to Edmonton Oilers and all of a sudden you're looking over to your left and there's Connor McDavid, the best player in the world, in the middle of you. I mean, that's what he walked into. Now, what did he do with that, though, more importantly? Uh, for the small stretch of games that he was with the Blues before this, this kind of holdoff period, he took full advantage of it. He used his size. He used his confidence. You mentioned him in the, in the locker room, guys feeling very comfortable very early. He, he looked like a veteran who wanted to take ownership of this. And he's coming to a winning hockey team with a window that we can foresee being open for a while now, guys, without getting into too detail. But you look at the veterans. You look at the young guys that also Doug Armstrong signed. Jordan Bennington continues to be on the rise. This is a team that is going to be good for a while. And for Marco Scandella, at the end or nearing the end of his career as he's starting to approach 30s now, he wants to win. He just wants to win. He wants to go somewhere where the expectation and the window is open to win, and he's landed it great. A left-shot defenseman, a great replacement for Jay Bomeister. I think you can still get Alex Petrangelo in this. I think it can still work all together. Uh, but this is an absolute amazing sign for the St. Louis Blues. And I, I truly believe with Colton Pareko, Marco Scandella. Now, uh, if I'm a forward, I do not want to go against any defensive pairing uh, at least then, um, of course, with number 55 there in Scandella. Well, the question now is how can they get it to work? And I know we got to wrap up because we're going to get to Scandella, but I want to play this piece of audio to both of you from Pierre Lebrun of TSN. He was on with Stalter and Rivers earlier this week, and he had the conversation with Alex Petrangelo. The article's on The Athletic. It's a great piece talking about the future of the NHL and NHLPA situation, and then also what can happen with Petrangelo if it's a long-term contract or if it's a short-term contract. And they had similar answers. Hall was a little more definitive. Taylor Hall said he has no interest in that, that he will prioritize long-term security over money uh, will be his his approach. Uh, Alex, uh, of course, because Alex Petrangelo is always a sort of a guy that thinks of everything, he said, hey, you know, my agents will probably put everything on the table and we'll examine everything to see what makes sense. And that is the right answer. But he went on to say, if you read my piece, that, you know, having some form of uh, stability moving forward with a young family uh, would also be very important to, to him and his wife as well. So you can read in between the lines there that I suspect what he's saying is probably similar to Hall at the end of the day that he'd rather do a long-term deal with, whether that's to remain in St. Louis or or if he joins another team after the season. And you're talking about two of the top free agents that will be available this upcoming offseason. Guys, look... <laughs> I, man, my, my feelings on this hasn't changed. The Blues have not moved on from Alex Petrangelo. The, the, I, I just don't believe they have. If there's a way to get him signed, they're going to find a way to get him signed. If they think that they could come to terms, they're going to find a sign. What do Alex, how, how, are, how Alex Petrangelo handles this, how Alex Petrangelo's agents handle this, and then how, and, and knowing how Doug Armstrong has handled things, you're going to have to find some common ground in there and what's going to be important, right? 
and 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 this is going to come down to some other factors. I, I really do believe this. Some some players want front loaded contracts, you know, because they don't want any. If they end up getting bought out at the later term of a long term deal, it, it impacts less of the money. Those kind of things. I don't know where Tom Stillman's feelings and his ownership group's feelings are on things like this. I do believe though that this one, if Alex Petrangelo stays a St. Louis Blue. You're talking about a potential Hall of Famer down the line, and uh, and you're talking about somebody where even if he's not in the Hall of Fame, his number gets retired as a St. Louis Blue. Uh, and it, what is what is important to lifestyle and all that is going to play a role in this, but if there is a deal to get done, Joe, I believe fully that the Blues are ready to do it, and Alex can do it too. You know, and I'm not a mathematician, Curbs and Alex, obviously, but you know, I kind of broke down some numbers, and I looked at, uh, Pierre LeBron's uh, article and he kind of compared things in notes uh, from a number standpoint, it, it really just comes down to also uh, the element of what happens to the salary cap. I mean, that that's what everyone's waiting on too. If it stays, even if it stays the same or goes up a little bit, I think we're in good shape. If Alex decides to stay here in St. Louis where he could sign a long-term deal around that $9 million mark guys, that's, that's what it's going to be. I mean, cause that's what Roman Yossi got. And I think that's what it's going to take, maybe a little yeah. bit more. Uh, but a lot of it comes to those front-loaded contracts, Curb, because you're right. Look what's going on with Drew Doughty out there. I don't know his exact contract. He's around uh, $11 million or something like that. But he's got that um, for the rest of the way. Um, so to me, if, if you get bought out, you're losing a lot of money. So Drew Doughty, I'm not sure you know the exact terms of how he did his contract, but that's something that a lot of players are learning from now. So instead of Alex Petrangelo gonna get, wanting to get paid, let's say, $9.5 million in his final year, uh, you know, 10 years from now, maybe he just wants to put it at $2 million because when he's at 37 or 36 or 38 years old, whatever that'll be, then if he gets bought out, he's not losing as much. So that's just something that Tom Stillman, like you mentioned, is going to have to kind of go through. Doug Armstrong going to have to work with. It comes down to what is going to be best for his family. It also comes down to with what kind of stamp does he want to officially leave forever as a St. Louis Blue. Well, we'll talk – and hear from Doug Armstrong in the second hour. But up next, we're going to hear from Marco Scandella. Catch up with a new Blues defenseman who signed a four-year contract extension here on This Week in Hockey. Well, welcome back ESPN. This Week in Hockey. Alex Ferrari along with Joe Vitale and the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. And right now, we are pleased to welcome in the Blues defenseman who has signed a new contract. He's going to be here for three more seasons. He is Marco Scandella. Marco, how are you, buddy? And uh, congratulations. This is exciting news. Uh, it's, it feels awesome, but it's actually four more years. Even better. We'll add that extra one on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Marco, this works out kind of well for you because I always thought it was best to sign these extensions in the offseason, or I guess in a little bit of a lull right now that we're in because you don't need to, I guess, get the team together and you don't have a dinner to pay for, obviously. Yeah, but I feel like I'm going to owe the boys uh, a little dinner. Uh, you know, I just feel like, St. Louis, as soon as I got there from day one, great group of guys. Uh, didn't need to take one Uber. Guys would bring me to the rink. We'd go for lunch. Uh, I just feel like uh, it's no surprise why the boys won last year, and I just want to be a part of it with the future. So, uh, I mean, it just feels great. So, Marco, I I'm curious. Did, uh, did Doug Armstrong get on that phone to get that contract extension underway once he saw that video of you doing training outside just chopping down a tree? Well, I'm sure it didn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, you talk about you talk about an off-season workout. You know, we've had conversations with some of your teammates of you know what you're trying to do to stay in shape and kind of be active. But I'd say going outside and chopping down a tree is the perfect way to make sure you're in shape once the season picks back up. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I just feel like with the quarantine, uh, you know, you have to let a little bit of that mental frustration out. So it's nice to just do some physical labor. And, uh, you know, I've just been going for walks once in a while. It's, it's been fun. Marco, is there any, like, system to chopping down a tree? Like, is there any, like, theory about angles of axes? Are, are you a professional? Are you a novice? Or, or do you just start whacking away until it falls down? I would have no idea how to chop down a tree. Uh, so the story is, uh, when I was younger, um, we had a cabin about two hours north of Montreal, uh, our family, and my dad used to always bring me up there and he believed in hard labor. So as a young kid, we used to go up there and just work on our property, uh, the whole weekend. And, uh, you know, I owe it to my dad why I have a hard shot. I feel like uh, that's where it, it developed and just learning how to work hard. And, uh, those are the, the values my dad taught me. So you get Al McKenna's taking slap shots at a garage door to work on that slap shot. Marco Scandella working on that uh, shot with that tree cutting down. Um, Marco, I- I'm curious because I know you did that conversation with, with Darren Pang on uh, the Blues website talking about the the contract extension, but how cool was it to uh, be surprised by uh, Sergio Mameso, your family member? Yeah, it's great. Uh, when I was in Montreal, he was doing radio, so he'd travel on the road with us. And it was nice to uh, connect with him a little bit more than just the summer. So he'd go for lunch, and uh, he'd tell me all the old stories of playing in the 80s and 90s. And uh, just a great guy to have around. Marco, for a lot of Blues fans, this was not a surprise, this signing. You, you come in from Montreal, and you just look so comfortable right away. I mean, even talking to you in the locker room, you seem very, um, I guess, giddy, smiling, like you've been there. For 10, 12 years, it seemed like you, you adjusted very well. Part of your adjustment, getting to play with Colton Pareko. I mean, you guys just hit the ice literally running. Um, what? How have you guys found just the chemistry or just so much success such early on? And what is it like playing with big number 55? Uh, it's special. I feel like uh, that chemistry came quick. Uh, you can't really teach that kind of chemistry. It felt like from day one we knew how to read off each other. But, I mean, it's not that hard playing with a guy who's 6'6", 230, and could skate like the wind. I mean, he's got it all all the tools so uh, I feel like we work well together we defend hard and we get to play against the top line so together I feel like we're a force two big guys long sticks and I can't say enough good things about him on on and off the ice. Marco was there any ease for you coming to St. Louis in terms of and I don't know how familiar you you were with Craig Berube but you had familiarity with Mike Van Ryan in terms of, of a coach from your time in Minnesota did that help kind of just that that natural kind of connection with St. Louis once you were acquired? Absolutely. I felt comfortable coming in knowing that the D coach had coached me before. Uh, Mike Van Ryan was great with me in the American Hockey League uh, during the lockout. And we worked on a lot of things. And now to come in as a veteran and uh, have him again and all the things I've learned over the years is uh, pretty exciting. And also just coming in, I just knew what to expect. They knew what to expect from me. Playing back in the Central Division, I played in Minnesota for seven years. I feel like it's a big, heavy game, a very structured game. And I feel like that's my game, how I play the best hockey that I could I could bring. Marco, why do you enjoy the Central Division so much? Because so many players hate the Central Division. So many players just want to stay out east and play where the, where, where the skill is, I guess, I'm not going to say it's higher skill, but it's just less heavy. I mean, you play for the Wild, now you're playing for the Blues. You've played in this division a long time. What about it attracts you or what about your game really complements this division so well? Uh, I just feel like, uh, like I said, it was a big, heavy division, very structured game, which I learned how to play in Minnesota. And uh, so from a young age, I knew every game is important. You can't lose your divisional games. And just coming back to the West, is, uh, I feel like it's just my brand of hockey. It's hard to explain, but 
it's uh, it just feels good to be out there in a structured system to grind teams down. And, you know, I was back uh, with a great group of guys, too. It, it was just a no-brainer to sign back for me. Marco, you spent seven seasons playing in the Central Division, of course, with the Minnesota Wild. And you had a couple of really heavy-fought playoff series against St. Louis. Who was the most frustrating to play against when they were a part of the St. Louis Blues during your time in Minnesota? Uh, well, Jake Allen stole a series where we should have won one time. Uh, we went one and one actually against uh, the Blues when I was with Minnesota. But uh, I just feel like it was just a, it's a team game. It was just two great structured teams that battled with big guys who ran around and hit everything. It was uh, some really exciting hockey. Big goals everywhere. It was uh, it was amazing hockey. Marco, whenever you get traded or dealt to a new team, whether a new contract or in the middle of the season, like what happened to you, I feel like players, when they're going to their new team, there's always one player that they're always like, huh, I wonder what it's like to be on his team. I wonder what it's like to go to dinner with him. I've hated playing against him. I love watching this guy play, but now he's going to be my teammate. Is there any player on this Blues team that you just thought of, like, I can't wait to meet this guy? Uh, I feel like I've had a lot of battles with Schwartzy, and uh, I was just excited to see the skill level from being on his team. So uh, seeing him go and you know play a hard game, and he's not the biggest guy, but he runs around and does his thing, hits guys, but he has so much skill. Just to see how he could just switch it from that offensive side and then come back and play hard D, uh, you know, it's it's great to have him on our team. <laughs> Yeah, well, there's no question. I hear a lot of people say that about uh, about Jaden Schwartz. So a couple more minutes with Marco Scandella, St. Louis Blues defenseman who signed a four-year contract extension last week with St. Louis. This this couldn't have been an easy season, Marco, in terms of playing in Montreal than being traded to St. Louis, but there was a lot of excitement surrounding it. I, I specifically remember talking with you that first day that you were in St. Louis, a big smile on your face. What has this kind of postponement mentally been like for you with, with all of these emotions that have gone through this season? Well, uh, just to say, going through the season, I feel like uh, the most important thing for me uh, throughout my career is just being authentic. So going into a locker room, I felt comfortable uh, right away with St. Louis, but even Montreal, just being a veteran guy, just be yourself out there. And uh, there was a lot of movement this year, but you know, it was pretty exciting to play in Montreal for the Canadians growing up watching them play. And uh, even though it was only 20 games, I mean, those are uh, games that I'll cherish forever. And then I just feel like St. Louis, I mean, what can you say? Just great fit. Uh, They did it last year. I want to be a part of another cup. So, you know, I don't have one yet. So I'm hungry and uh, just excited for the future. Marco, the last one I have for you here really quickly. When you got brought in here from Montreal, was, was an extension part of the discussion uh, from Doug Armstrong or did this, did this, contract extension what happened last week did this just come completely out of the blue uh, i know uh, my agent was talking with the blues and doug uh, a little bit earlier probably the last month and a little bit but uh i knew i had to come in and prove myself and show uh that uh you know the trade where he made a good trade and uh you know i'm just hungry i feel like i'm in a point in my career where i just want to win and that's all that's important to me so i feel like Personally, I've put myself in a position to have a chance to win every year with this team. I feel like we're, you know, this is the prime for, for our team for the next few years. So, uh, you know, that's all you want at this point. Uh, you just want to win and uh, to get the chance to do that with such a great group of guys. I mean, it's just perfect. Marco, final one for me before I let you go. I, I have to acknowledge this because you're on the phone with two other Italians. You're living in St. Louis where you got the best mm. Italian food at, at, at whatever we whenever oh. you want. How's that feel for you, knowing that just the Italian food, no matter what, you get it? 
I feel like uh, the Italians have embraced me. Uh, every restaurant I go to, uh, I just feel like, uh, you know, there's a big community behind us. And uh, it's just like Montreal, a lot of Italians everywhere, but in St. Louis in particular, a lot of the food's unbelievable. That uh, toasted ravioli is something pretty special. <laughs> Ay, 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 mamma mia. Well, Marco Scandella, it's great to catch up with you, man. Again, congratulations on the contract extension. We're happy that you're here for the next four years. Hopefully we'll get uh, some part of the season back underway, but uh, otherwise keep up the uh, the off-season workout with the ch- the tree chopping and stay healthy. All right, thanks for having me, guys. Take care. That's Marco Scandella, Blues defenseman, with us here on This Week in Hockey. We'll take a break and come back with more next on your home for the St. Louis Blues 101 ESPN. All right, welcome back into this week in hockey. Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrario, Joe Vitale with you here. And again, we come your way every single Tuesday night from 6 to 8 p.m. tomorrow night behind the bench, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. And then we're going to profile Al Arbor. So you're going to hear Bobby Plager and Ray Ferraro talking about former Blue and NHL legendary coach Al Arbor. On Thursday night, play Glory, the St. Louis Blues run to the cup, presented by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. And also brought to you by McDonald's. We bring you Game 6 against the Winnipeg Jets from last season. And on Friday night, we bring you Game 1 against the Dallas Stars with brand new, fresh discussion in one-hour pregame shows starting at 6 o'clock, the play-by-play at 7 o'clock on both nights. All right, boys, I, I gotta, I've got to just empty my hockey brain for uh, for this segment. Is that okay? I'm going to give you just some thoughts I've had about hockey and some of it random, some of it maybe not, but uh, just and just get your quick thoughts on that. This is, what, that? this is what happens when you don't have two months of the 618 show. That's No, that yeah, that, that could get a little bit nuts. But uh, And I'm going to start this. We, we talked about Alex Petrangelo in, in, in segment number one. So I'm going to throw you this question. If the St. Louis Blues have a chance to win the Stanley Cup again. So the play, so the games let's assume that the playoffs do get played out this year. Or let's let's just even just from a fantasy standpoint say that the pause didn't happen and the Blues we, we'd be in the playoffs right now and the Blues repeated as a Stanley Cup champion. Would that change your perspective in terms of willingness to say I'm willing to let Alex Petrangelo go or does it change your perspective and, and say, okay, we've won the two cups with him. Now I don't want to handcuff myself with a long-term contract or does it change your perspective the other way and say, we've won two cups with him. I'm locking him in. And if we win another couple, great. And I'll eat it at the end. Joe. Oh, I mean, really quickly for me, if I'm Alex Petrangelo, first of all, no, 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 this is you. Win- this is me. Yeah, this isn't, this is your opinion, not Alex. No, no, no. I'm just saying my oh. opinion is if I'm Alex, if that makes any sense. Why okay. I just kind of really messed myself up there. If if I win two cups in a row, I, I think Alex is probably going to be more urgent to leave, okay? But if you're the St. Louis Blues and you win back-to-back with Alex Petrangelo, you better sign that guy because something's working and you better keep him around for as long as you can. That's just me. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if I'm looking at it from a fan's perspective saying – just won two cups. No, I want you to look at it from your perspective. That's what, what I is, said. A not, fan's perspective. Yeah, yeah, you're looking at it from a fan's. You're the general manager. Yeah. You're oh, the, okay, GM. the general manager. You're the general manager. Hey, what you are wrap you doing? Him up. Yeah, you just won two cups with a guy who is going to be 30 years old. You still have at least four years of prime play from your defenseman, who at the end of the day is still strong on his own end, still an offensive threat, and he's a leader. All right, here's another thought I had. Uh, I was listening to an interview, and they were talking about kind of the old Norris division. And and I can't remember who, who it was doing the interview, but they said, oh, you know, it was the old Chuck Norris division. I really started thinking, I'm like, man, think about this. Like, I have never heard an interview with Chuck Norris 
being asked about the fact that there's a whole era of hockey that people attach his name to the division in sports. I can't think of any other sport that has that happen. Oh, yeah. Those are amazing, though. I mean, the Chuck yeah. Norris division, um, I don't know. The best one I've ever heard was Chuck Norris can't divide by zero. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that to his face? Um, no, because he'll roundhouse kick me right. in the chin. Or roundhouse But you know, you. think about that. Like, all the other divi- – like, I, I've never heard anybody – and I, I realize – but that that now the Norris division now seems to have more people say Chuck Norris than the actual guy it was named after. Do does any other division have a nickname with it? I mean, because now they're all called Central yeah. divisions, West, East. No other sports had division names where right. they were named after people in, in the history of the sport. Um, here's hey, another, did you guys yeah. know that uh, Curves? Did you know that Chuck Norris can kill two stones with one bird? I believe that. I think you just Googled that. <laughs> uh, you, you know how some of the talk going around is, okay, to be fair to all the teams that uh, are not secured in a playoff spot, you do some kind of round-robin tournament to see who that gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't don't you guys think that the um, that not only do you have to talk about the integrity of the Stanley Cup playoffs, but you also still have to keep the integrity of the season in there? So if all of a sudden somebody like the L.A. Kings, who had no chance in heck of making the playoffs, right. wins a little tournament to get into the playoffs and then ends up going on a run, what, doesn't that uh, doesn't that cheapen the integrity of the regular season and the 68-plus games that were already played? Oh, I agree 100%. I don't even think fairness should be brought into the conversation with this. I mean, unfortunately, we saw what happened, just a rarity with the season being postponed. And if you're going to start this up, there's no way that you can try and be fair to 32 teams because you're going to piss somebody off at some point. you got to play hey, with what, what the yeah. cards were dealt. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to cut you off there. I thought, I thought you were finished. Uh, going down Main Street on that parade, that picture of you sitting on our truck with the arch in the background, you yeah. slugging beers with your family. All right? Manscaping. Yep. Are you are you doing Man that? Man spreading? Is that what it's as, called? Yeah. <laughs> Boy, I don't are you know. doing that with, with as much excitement? Let's take, for example, what if the Blues didn't win last year, but let's say there's a small mini tournament this year where they do it in June and July and there's some sort of whatever. There's the integrity of the exactly the, the Stanley Cup playoffs isn't the same. The Blues win it for their first ever in franchise history. The call is the exact same. Do you feel the exact same way you felt last year? Uh, maybe not the exact same way because that was the first one. But am I am I equally excited? Absolutely. If they can maintain some level of the integrity of the of the tournament. Well, my question is is. Do we, like I also think you have to keep integrity of the regular season and the idea that there should be some tournament where the L.A. Kings or the Ottawa Senators you know, or the Detroit Red Wings could all of a sudden find themselves making it into the playoffs because they win a tournament of the teams that would have been out. That, to me, then totally erases any integrity of the 60 to 71 games that the teams had played in the regular season. Yeah, I agree. I think it's got to be the bubble teams. I right. think they got to set – they got to set a point thing. Is If you're six points within a playoff spot, you're in. If you're seven points, I'm sorry, we'll see you next October, November, whatever it is. Yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta create a hard line, I agree. All right, here, here's as I continue to empty my hockey brain of thoughts I had over the course of this past week. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks came out and basically shut down Brent Seabrook for the season, right? They said he's done. Well, now the pause could happen where, and and I'm I don't know anything about his, you know, whether or not he'd have been on time for training camp next year or not. But I'm just so throw throw the hypothetical in here. Now, now, because of the pause, if the season were to resume in mid July, maybe August, right, and Seabrook is ready to go, 
Are they allowed to play Brent Seabrook? Mm. So what do they? How do they officially? They said they're shutting him down for the season. He's done. That's yeah. just, that's not just think... saying it though. It's not like they filled but, out a but form. Yeah, but it, well, but it's not like. But he would not have been ready to play in the playoffs. I think he, if he's good to go from a health wise standpoint, I think he got. I think he got to play. Yeah, I, I don't think, think you can. Play, right? I don't think you can force a team to say, "Well, look, you said that he's done for the season." A player that was no, was done. A player that was done. Zero chance of playing, even if the Blackhawks had made the playoffs or any team. Right? Zero chance. Now, because it's a few months later, has a chance to finish out that regular season and play. Why do you hate the Blackhawks? <laughs> I was so just going to ask that. I'm, just, I'm, I mean, I'm using that as the example. Joe, I was just going to ask that question. What irks him more, the <laughs> well, fact what? that Seabrook okay. or that the Blackhawks could be in the playoffs? Okay. First off, the fact that you even have to ask that question is bull blank, okay? Why? It's because I'm from St. Louis and it's a birthright. But secondly... You can you can say that for any team. I think it's a fascinating aspect of what this COVID nineteen pause could do to the storylines of what was going on in a season. I wonder but if you'd gotta, like to punch another eight year old in the face. Um, I nobody wanted to do that. Oh, that's so right. Jake Gensel, Jake Gensel, you're telling me curbs that Jake Gensel shouldn't be allowed to play if the season resumes in July because he was supposed to be done for the year. He's on a black ad, I'm not matter. advocating that. I'm, I'm asking the question is if he was done for the year and would not have been available in the playoffs, can he now play in the playoffs? I think it's a fascinating storyline that how it plays out differently than if the season had been able to go. He's not a black right. I like this. We're, we're, we'll do this again next week where I, where I just empty my hockey thoughts and let <laughs> you guys fire away at it. All right, we'll take a quick break, and when we come back, the Blues uh, have teamed up with the St. Louis Cardinals on Rise Up for Heroes. What is it? We'll talk it with, over with Blues president and CEO Chris Zimmerman in a moment on 101 ESPN. Welcome back into this week in hockey. Glad to have you with us here on a Tuesday night on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. And we bring in the president and CEO of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Zimmerman. And Chris, boy, I tell you what, uh, a lot. I know people are wondering what's going on with a hockey season. Will we have it? Will we not? We all know that that is still highly up in the air. We just did our interview, you know, last week with Tom Stillman. And even the Board of Governors don't really have a whole lot of answers right now because you just have to wait for other things to settle in. But that hasn't cleared the plate. You guys have been working extremely hard from a community aspect, haven't you? We have, Chris. Um, Thanks for having me on. Obviously, uh, yeah, we're not on the ice. Our team's not on the ice. Our fans aren't in the building. But as everyone knows, there are lots and lots of needs out there in the community right now. And um, so it's, a, if you will, it's been a very busy time for us as we work with a, a variety of different groups to find ways that um, we can help uh, against different initiatives. Well, one of those big initiatives uh, just launched a few days ago, Rise Up for Heroes. And this is a region-wide initiative to help fueled by the Blues and the Cardinals teaming up together to show gratitude for local heroes each and every night. How did this one come about? Well, a, a good friend and certainly a, a, a big factor in, in the community is uh, Keith Alper, who's an entrepreneur. He leads several creative agencies and and Keith came to uh, myself and Bill DeWitt and said, you know, one of the things we need is to, is to bring some energy um, to people, give people a reason to smile, and particularly 
do it in the context of really saluting and bringing praise to the frontline workers who are uh, making such a huge difference right now. And so when Keith uh, raised the initial idea, we quickly embraced it. And over the last couple of weeks, we've, we've worked together, a number of other community partners involved in helping bring this thing together. And uh, we kicked it off on Saturday with the first mini caravan going through uh, parts of uh, downtown, the Central West End, and finishing up at Barnes Jewish Hospital, and and really, again, with one most important objective, which is um, saying thank you uh, as loudly as we can, both uh, obviously as our organizations, but really uh, as a regional community. Well, with Rise Up for Heroes, folks, so what they're asking is everybody in the St. Louis community coming together, stand together uh, with on your front porch with the social distancing, all that aspect in mind, and salute our frontline heroes each night at 7 o'clock in your neighborhoods and residential areas. If you've uh, got a balcony, you just come out on the balcony for a minute or two, clap, cheer, make some noise, whether it's stepping outside your home, standing on your porch, opening up a window, whatever it may be. Maybe you don't want to yell and scream. Maybe you just roll down that window and you blast Gloria if you're in your car at 7 o'clock. Whatever it is, you basically you make some noise for all the heroes out there right now working and trying to keep everybody safe and keep things moving as much as we're allowed to do. How's the response been to it, Chris? Well, I I could tell by watching your family and your neighbors the other night that in your neighborhood, the response has been great. Um, You know, that I think first and foremost, the response we've gotten, because we, we had finished uh, the second one last night, we finished up at St. Luke's and, um, the responses, most importantly, that we're getting from the people we're recognizing uh, has been great. And uh, uh, we think uh, we've, we've heard of, of other neighborhoods coming together around this. And so we, our plan is to continue to grow it, to get more people out. I can tell you, uh, I know you have this feeling, as others do, you drive around the city at times and people are doing the right thing. They're staying home. Uh, and this is just a nice little moment where we can all just poke our heads out, step outside a few steps, and, uh, if you will, touch the community uh, and touch them with your heart a bit. So, again, it's every single night at 7 o'clock. Take a we were eating dinner last night, uh, frozen pizzas, and uh, Christy said – Christy goes, at 7 o'clock, let's go. So we got all the kids out on the front porch again. Uh, and, and some other neighbors were out on their front porch just applauding and, and playing some music for a couple minutes, which was great. But there's other ways you can do it, too. If you go to stlouisblues.com, the article's up on the front page of the website. Obviously, it's rise up each night at 7 o'clock. But you can contribute to the COVID-19 Regional Response Fund, and that is serving a wide group of local agencies stepping up to support those with the greatest needs. The links will be on riseupforheroes.org riseupforheroes.org maybe you want to sign up to donate blood the American Red Cross needs blood you can visit redcrossblood.org for more information there I know the the blood drive at Anheuser-Busch that the Blues are helping out with for this Friday I think all the time slots were filled for that one I've got my time slot for a 945 and so we'll be donating blood this coming Friday and then you can also show other expressions of support by visiting riseupforheroes.com 
RiseUpForHeroes.com, posting videos, photos, signs, displaying blue lights, adding bears in your windows for all the kids that are going on bear hunts and, and around town. And also make sure, though, you're always still following the guidelines of local officials to help fight the spread of COVID-19. Uh, one of just many things we've already mentioned, the virtual 5K. Chris, uh, anything else we want the fans to know right now? Well, uh, anything else we want them to know. Um, there, the, uh, as you can imagine, there are a number of different things going on, and, and, and typically uh, going on our app and going to stlouisblues.com are the best ways to support it. I will mention a, one other initiative that I'm, I'm particularly fond of is the work we're doing uh, with the 314 Together group. Uh, that is a group that has come together to support small businesses. They've created a line of T-shirts and some other goods, uh, which we have been selling very um, successfully on stlauthentics.com. Um, there's some some really wonderful uh, T-shirts and things that I think our fans will certainly enjoy, and those proceeds are all going to support uh, small businesses uh, that have been hit, obviously, uh, as during this uh, shelter-in-place effort. Uh, that is the president uh, and the CEO of the St. Louis Blues, Chris Zimmerman. Chris, thank you very much. We'll make sure that we keep getting the word out. We appreciate it. We'll take a quick break. That wraps up our number one here on uh, This Week in Hockey. Our number two kicks off Curbs versus Joey when we come back on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Our number two of this week in hockey, Alex Ferrario, along with the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. This hour, we'll hear from Doug Armstrong, who was on Stalter and Rivers earlier this week to talk about the Marco Scandella contract extension and what that all means for Alex Petrangelo's future with the team. We'll also chat with Dave Gosher, the play-by-play man for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, to get his thoughts on what's going on in Vegas and what's surrounding this Golden Knights team with this hiatus of the rest of the hockey season. But it's the moment everybody's been waiting for. It's Curbs versus Joey round four. Fellas, are you ready? Yep. I was born ready. I was just about to use that line. So... Here's the stipulations. It's two to one. Chris Kerber leads after last week's Curbs with his sports trivia knowledge. Missed it by a ding, Joe Vitale. A close ding. Yeah, but mm. I think the replay in slow motion showed I was definitely, you know, Dinkinger screwed that one up, boys. I mean, Tom Morell had his foot on the base, and I definitely <laughs> said ding first. I think Ryder manipulated that at break. <laughs> we didn't have enough time to manipulate that at break. So this is what today's game is. Both of you, how well do you know hockey nicknames? Oh, boy. All right. Okay. Oh, boy. And how well do you know wrestling? Uh, oh, boy. Because if, you go, if you go current wrestling, I'm, I'm like, it's you past, might as well just put me in the toaster. It's past and present. So here's it. Is it a hockey Crap. nickname? Can I text Brian Stahl? No, you are not allowed to. Okay. Hockey nickname oh, or wrestling wrestling move? See, you're looking at me. Joe could have a computer right in front of him, and we wouldn't know since he's broadcasting from home. Yeah, but if he delays Boys. that long. Boys, I'm, I'm a man of integrity. Just, just to prove it, I'm going to give my answers very quickly. I'm not going to give any, any chance. <laughs> not even going to think Alex, about it. <laughs> fire your questions. All right, let's go. All right, we got we 10 go. with two extra bonus ones. We'll start with curves because Listen, you, when, when you do 10, right, with two, you eventually you got to go to an odd number. Well, you that, can still tie. 
Well, that's why I have an extra one. Mm. So the the bonus will be sudden death. The bonus will be sudden oh, death. Okay. There's another right. ding involved with it yeah, here. Great. Okay, so we're going to start with Curbs because Curbs won last week. Okay. Here's the first one. Is it a hockey nickname or is it a wrestling move? Messiah. Uh, Messiah. Hockey nickname or wrestling move? I'm going with wrestling move. False. Hockey nickname. Who's? Mark Messier. Oh, because he said we'll win the game. Yep. Okay. All, <laughs> All right. right. I thought it was Tim Tebow. Uh, it might have been, to be honest with too. you. Okay. All right, Joe. Mr. Clutch. Oh, that's that's a hockey nickname. That is a hockey nickname. Do you know who it is? Either of oh, you? Oh, yeah, Mr. Clutch. Oh, you know, is it is, is this just hockey nicknames? Yeah, these are just hockey nicknames. Oh, I was going to go with Jesse J- or, uh, Reggie Jackson, but that's Mr. October. Never mind. Go ahead. No, is it um, – um, hang on. Is it Claude Lemieux? No, Joe um, Sackick. Joe Sackick. Yeah, okay. Joe I was surprised Sackick. by that. Okay, next one. Curbs. Bodog. Bodog? Both. <laughs> Both doesn't count. But, but somebody's probably called Bowmeister Bodog. From the list that I found, that is not a nickname. Uh, okay, then I'm going to go uh, wrestling move. It's a wrestling move. Ooh. Bo Dallas. I wonder if Bo, Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat. That's what I'm Bo telling Dog. you. I, I'm I sure it is. got to be honest with you. I like the smarts of my answer <laughs> on that one, Joe. I don't like yep. those at all because I'm going off of my list that I found. So it's tied 1-1. One, one. Joe, Magic Man. Magic Man? I mean, it's got to be a nickname. I don't know who it is. Yeah, why would you name a wrestling move the man? <laughs> it's actually a wrestling move. Oh! Is, no, I'm really? just joking. It's a hockey yeah. nickname. Oh. It's Pavel hey, Dotsuk's nickname. I got traded for him. <laughs> Straight up, actually. No big deal. All right, Curbs. Uh, wait, no, 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 no. His his no, salary was, got traded for you. Tons, Technically, there was tons, there was of, tons of money involved. His too. cap, his cab hit, which cost the Coyotes nothing, got traded for you. Technically, it was straight up, though, right? <laughs> okay. Wow, that's really humbling when, when you put it like that, Curbs. <laughs> really hurtful, actually. All right, Curbs, you're up. Uh, well, which is, in all fairness, Joe, I say that respectfully because I've never been in a position to play and be traded. So I congratulate you, all right? Okay. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Curbs. Cobra. Oh, that's a wrestling move. That's a wrestling move. Do you know who it is? You said that pretty confidently. It's got to be. Well, it's either Jake the Snake or it's uh, 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 the Iron Sheik. No, it's actually Santino. <sighs> Santino. Okay. All right, Joe. Like my guesses on that one, too. Didn't think I'd pull. You know what? Hey, I've had some of my tweets retweeted by the Iron Sheik. You must be really bored. No, that's freaking fantastic. <laughs> the guy's got like, like that's that one's pretty good. And you're like, how the hell did the Iron Sheik see was, my tweet? Who was your favorite wrestler? My favorite wrestler? Uh, well, we let's finish the game okay. while we All have right. time. And okay. if we have time, we'll get into it. All that. right, Joe, you're up. Dirty Deeds. Done, dirt Dirty. cheap. Dirty, Dirty Deeds. deeds. Dunder cheap. ACDC. Uh, Wait, it's not name that tune. What the hell's game are we playing now? That'll be next uh, time. Okay. I would have to say wrestling move. Wrestling move is correct. Yeah. You know who it is? Was it by was it by the big Lebowski? I tell you something, ladies. The big Lebowski's kind of like a clock. Remember that guy you come out in a towel and he like threw his towel off and being a speedo? It's from the bushwhackers. That's from the bushwhackers. <laughs> is it from the bushwhackers? I think so. Oh yeah. I think that's right. You don't get a point for that, though. Oh. You don't get a point for that. Yeah, I'm okay. guessing. Are you kidding me? Okay, Curbs is next. The universe. The universe. Uh, I'm going nickname. 
hockey nickname is correct. Do you know who it was? I have no clue. I guess. Ilya Brizgalov. Uh, oh, okay, <laughs> that universe. would make sense. Yeah, yep, yeah. I probably could have done that. Yep. It makes a lot it's of just sense. The game. Okay. It's just a game. <laughs> it's just a hockey game. Okay. It's just a game. Why does everyone get so mad? <laughs> Joe. What's the score? Uh, well, we've only got one incorrect, and that was yours. So we have three so, right no, first. Joe got one wrong. No, he didn't. Yes, he so. did. I'm he said, he I'm said nickname, win. and you said move. No, I'm definitely. I lied winning. about it. Remember? Which one? No, lied. I lied. I haven't got any. Well, how the hell am I supposed to keep track if you're not even I'm giving us the track? You have one wrong. Which one was the one you lied about? That was the the Magic Man, because you said, "Why would you put man if it's a wrestling move?" And I said, "It's a wrestling move." No, 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 no. What's the other one you gave him? The other one. So Joe has gotten Mr. Clutch. Yeah. Joe has gotten Magic Man. Yeah. And Joe has gotten Dirty Deeds. Dirty Deeds. Curbs has got Mr. Stop. Universe Dirt. or The Universe, Cobra, and Bodog. Right, and then okay. you miss Messiah. All right, keep going. The other one. This is for Joe. The other one. That's got to be a nickname. That is a nickname. Yeah, that's, that's, what is it, the Sedin Twins? No, the Brent Gretzky. <laughs> Oh, oh Jesus. that sucks. That's mean. That sucks. All that right, Curbs, the Eagle. The Eagle? Oh, well, that's oh, that's Eddie easy. Belfort. That's a hockey nickname. That's yeah. Eddie Belfort, yeah. See, I wasn't sure if you guys were By the way, who else, who else also had the name Eddie the Eagle? And, oh, the guy that did the, um, that's right. the, the downslope. That's right. The, um, the, the, he's an, a British ski jumper. British that's it. Yeah, ski that's jumper. It. How do you Great know that? story. Check I, watched, it out. I watched the Olympics. Okay. Good enough. It okay. was a big story in the Olympics. All right. It's four to four. That's what the score is right now. Jo- Bottom Joe? half of the inning here. Joe, kill switch. Kill switch? Oh, man. I-, I would say wrestling move. Yeah. It's wrestling move. Nice. Are these too easy? So far. I, no, okay. I-, I am literally just guessing. I-, I really have been trying to find difficult well, ones. Well, I don't know. The ones he's given you for nicknames have man at the end of it, and the other ones don't. <laughs> so I go-, go with it. <laughs> Mr. Clutch Jeez. and Turbo Man. Um, <laughs> hockey nickname? <laughs> Mr. Yeah. You know. All right. It's Turbo Time. <laughs> All right. Next up for Curbs is Mule. Oh, that's a hockey nickname. That's a hockey nickname. Do you know who it is? Yeah, that was uh, uh, Franzen. Franzen is correct. You don't get an extra point for that. All right, okay. Joe. Really, I don't get it. For, get it for. I don't get an extra point or a bonus it. point for getting the player. That's, that's not. Stip, that's right not here. the stipulation. Yeah, bottom right of here. the inning. Yeah, this is it. So if Joe gets this, he wins. If he misses it, it's extra. It's extra. Okay, Joe. Yep. Shattered dream. Oh, that's a wrestling move. That's a wrestling move. Bam. What, what are the other two? Like this was. This was. Yeah, this was dumb. That, oh, this was a great game. Jesus. Yeah. This was a really good game. Jeez. I enjoyed this like, one. Like, it's hard to follow up sports. Well, who, next Joe, one? Joe, Joe, is this yeah. a wrestling move or is this is his nickname? <laughs> Mr. October. <laughs> you, know what? you know what? You know what this game should have been on? The SNL Celebrity Jeopardy. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> name this right. name this continent. Fine. You guys show. come up with the games next time. The next two that I had was Rough Rider. Rough Rider. Uh, I'm going nickname. No, I mean I meant uh, I meant wrestling move. Wrestling move is correct. Yeah. And then the other one was Radar. Oh well, that's a nickname for a Mash character. <laughs> Doesn't count. Oh, okay. Well, it's a nickname then. Do you know her who? Uh, no, but I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take a doggone good guess that he looked a lot like Gary Bergorf and was from the Mash Care series. Actually, uh, the subject of behind the bench tomorrow night's Al Arbor. 
Okay, radar because of the glasses. Of the glasses. <laughs> the gla- I told you, so I tied it into MASH anyway. All right, fine. An epic fail of this game, but... <laughs> we appreciate the effort, Joe Alex. Vitale comes out on top. If there was one TV show that I don't get... It's MASH. It's not Seinfeld. It's MASH. I agree with I that statement. I don't get... It would always be on like at 11 o'clock at night when I get home from hockey. I remember seeing the helicopter coming in on the opening credits. I'm just like, this okay. is not Joe, a good show. Joe, so the first the first three years, the thing almost got uh, almost got canceled. Okay, and then then it took off. It became the longest running sitcom dramedy right in in TV history in 1984 when the when they had their last episode, Goodbye, Farewell, and Amen. It was it set the it was the single most watched TV show ever, and 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 it's still replayed enough that they are still getting royalty checks. At some point in time, much like Star Wars, whether it's Mash or Star Wars, so we don't have to deal with the fantasy thing. The fact that there's that many people that watched it and 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 were into it that much, it has to give some kind of credibility to it, don't you think? <laughs> as, oh, as he shit, sounds boys. like a Wookiee. And anytime okay, Star Wars comes up, that's Joe Vitale's <laughs> response. Well, that's another edition of Curbs vs. Joey. It's tied up two wins apiece. We'll have another one for you next week. When we come back, we'll hear from Doug Armstrong. He joined Stalter and Rivers earlier today to discuss the Marco Scandella signing, the signing of Sammy Blay and Mackenzie McEachran, and the uncertainty of Alex Petrangelo. So we'll get all of that next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Welcome back in This Week in Hockey. Alex Ferrario along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale. We will get into now earlier today on Stalter and Rivers, the Blues general manager and president of hockey operations, Doug Armstrong, who was a very busy man last week, re-signing Mackenzie McEachern, re-signing Sammy Blay, and re-signing Marco Scandella, who joined us in the first hour. He and Doug caught up with Anthony and Jamie to talk a little bit about his busy week and what all of this means for Alex Petrangelo. I threw this at uh, Jamie earlier. I'm really interested in your take as well. So I was I was constructing a trampoline set for the kids at home over the weekend. I realized I'm the guy that only reads like halfway through the instructions. And then I realized at the end I screwed up something on step two and have to go all the way back. Jamie admitted that he was also that guy. When you're putting anything together, are you the person that reads through the entire instructions? Or are you also kicking yourself at the end because you skipped a, a step? I'm the guy that ends up with four or five extra bolts. <laughs> now we're talking. <laughs> there we okay. go. Now we're talking. Good. You see, if it happens to Army, then I'm okay with it. Perfect. <laughs> I, we also realized that we were the guys that are over-tightening the screw and you wind up breaking some of the wood. Do you qualify there as well? No. No. Okay. I got soft hands. Oh. Okay, Doug, I get it. You're right. I didn't have the softest hands. All right. Good scouting report. Well, speaking of being busy and putting things together, Army, uh, you've been busy putting together a roster here for our St. Louis Blues, and you've gotten three deals done here in a very short amount of time. Is this something that you were kind of planning on doing or based on the circumstances you just decided with everybody else, let's kick this into high gear and start to get a vision of what things might look like. Yeah, we weren't planning on doing any of this until after the, uh, the regular, the postseason ended. Uh, you know, you don't like a lot of confusion as you, as you're moving towards the playoffs. Uh, and as you know, Jimmy, <clears throat> some of these deals go very quickly and some drag on and, 
you don't want the player preparing for the playoffs and worrying about other things. So uh, when we had the pause, we did kick it into high gear to see with the with our unrestricted and restricted guys, if there was any common ground, and uh, we were able to use this time constructively. Doug Armstrong joining us right now here on Stolzer Rivers on 101 ESPN. When did you have a good feeling that you were going to bring back Marco Scandella? Because that obviously that trade went through. He played so well. When did you have uh, an understanding like, yeah, Marco's going to be a part of our future here for the next couple of years? Well, we certainly liked the way he played in the in the games that he played here, and. And you look at our you look at our roster. You look at the st- type of players that we have coming. We we have uh, Mikola, that's a big, strong defender, also, but not as experienced to play in that top four role. <clears throat> you see the the relationship he had with Perenko, and then you see Dunn and Perunovic coming. Different style of players. So you need all different elements to to create a team. And um, what Marco came in and was able to do was replicate what Jay Bolmeister is doing for us. A, a big, strong player that that could uh, stop plays down low with his stick, uh, can make a good first pass, good first pass, <laughs> decent skating skills, obviously, and plus he's got a heavy shot. So uh, it just felt like, like a proper fit for us for what we have now, what we have coming, and someone that uh, uh, we saw we saw building, uh, continue to build around him with. Now, Army, you got Sammy Blay and Mackenzie McEachern. Uh, their deal's done as well. Uh, both younger players, both bring a physical element to your roster. Both come in at a great, reasonable contract. Yeah, how excited were you guys to get those two young players under contract, knowing that they're going to be around for a while, and then at the same time setting the expectations for these guys? Well, quite honestly, it mirrored a lot of what we did last summer with uh, with Barbashev and uh, and Sanford. Uh, you know, both players uh, had arbitration rights. Uh, their market was sort of set uh, externally and internally. And knowing that we have that strong competition of younger players coming to push, it was very important for us. And you need, you need, uh, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough to have some some experienced top end players that that are rewarded for their experience. You need to have younger players coming that that you believe can. Uh, can perform and, and support that group. And uh, so you, you have to have a, a, a whole mix of different salary players and bringing these guys in and giving them the opportunity to continue to grow in our group was very important for us. So now how challenging is it for you guys as a, as a group and, and you being the top guy here, not knowing a hundred percent where the salary cap's going to fall and how all that's going to work itself out when everything's said and done. I mean, doing these contracts are great, but you do still have a couple of pieces that are left out there, and yet we don't know, at least to my knowledge, what the salary cap's going to look like. Yeah, well, we have a feeling uh, that, you know, the the cap, uh, I don't see it growing at all. But I also, just because of the, the number of dollars that were spent, I don't see it decreasing much, the upper limit. So whether we're three or four percent off of of our projection, uh, certainly uh, you know Marco's contract is a little bit different because you're into the three millions. Um, but McEachern and, and and Blaze, whether they're four or five or six percent under or overpaid, it doesn't it doesn't affect that overall upper limit. Uh, so we're, we're working under the under the pretense that we're going to be somewhere very similar to what we were this year, and uh, and we work back from there. 
Army, of course, the the follow-up there would be about Petro and his contract, and I'm sure that uh, it's got to be tough to un- not know what's going on with the, the the league and where the cap is going to be maybe in a couple of years. How challenging is it to look at your roster and look at Petro's contract not knowing what the league holds for the salary cap after next year? Well, it's certainly something that, that uh, we're both – trying to get our, 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 our arms wrapped around. Uh, coming out of the general manager's meeting, they, they had said that they thought the salary cap would be 84 to $88 million. So let's say they go conservatively $84 million, and then you can, if your your math is correct, you say that it's going to go to 87 and 91 If it goes up by that amount of money, we're, you know, obviously this pandemic has, has altered everyone's long-term output. Uh, hopefully the NHL and the NHLPA, I know... Uh, would love to probably get some security in a, in a CBA passed next season that we have next year and the year after until the CBA expires. Hopefully that maybe one of the only positives come out of this pandemic is they can find a way to extend that CBA and potentially that will also give us certainty. Yeah, that would be great to have that deal in place so that you guys and the players can all know what, you know, what, what you're dealing with in order to move forward. Uh, Army, we had Coach Drinkwitz on this morning from Mizzou football head coach, and we, you know, he talked about how he was getting ready to throw out the first pitch, the Cardinals' uh, opening game. Have, have you ever been blessed to throw out the first pitch at a Cardinals game? Uh, no, I haven't, and uh, my baseball skills will probably uh, keep me watching people throw it out. <laughs> I, I, I got to say, Rips, I'd actually love to try it. Except I see all those bloopers where it ends up in the in the stands or at your feet or whatever, and I think I would be somewhere better than that. But I don't want to tempt fate. <laughs> okay, so then follow up to that army is I know you're a guy that likes to be prepared. Okay, you're never caught off guard. If you got the tap on the shoulder to throw out the first pitch, how much time do you think you'd put into it? Would you have somebody playing catcher for you for like twenty, thirty days leading up to it? Get your stride down. Would you practice on a mound? Would you go halfway? I mean, these are details, Army. Well, well, I, I would say that uh, 30 days would be a stretch. It'd be a couple of weeks, and I, and I would—I uh, I certainly would practice. And then, uh, you know, I, I, even at the best of times, I can look stupid. I don't, I don't need to tempt fate. <laughs> uh, Army, we were talking last break here uh, about you know I, I felt really good and productive that I cleaned out the garage I moved down to the basement and organizing thing Jamie said he attacked his garage this this weekend and then we both said oh well Army's coming up and you know he signed three players already so he's a little bit more productive than we are anything that you're doing around the house that's getting extra attention as well from an organizational standpoint you know what I'm actually uh, sharing the cooking duties more uh, with my wife now and uh I have older kids, 27 and 23, 24, and uh, uh, they're home. One is finishing up law degree and the other uh, taking exams as we speak. And uh, my daughters uh, work at KPMG in Dallas, so it's tax time. So uh, I actually thought that the time of us having uh, our kids home under the same roof for an extended period of time was, was over. So having them back the last month has been a real a real shot in the arm, and uh, you guys can probably attest to this. I, I've lived with these people 20-plus years and never gone on a walk with them, and now that's all we do. So it's, it's a very interesting lifestyle change. All right, Army, you're cooking. You just told us. You let us inside the, the Armstrong household. What are you good at cooking or, that you think you've got it nailed? Now, it doesn't mean your family will agree with you, but yeah. you're confident in your abilities. 
Well, I make I make a mean quesadilla. We did that last night, and uh, and I got uh, I got the knack for making uh, chocolate chip oatmeal cookies. Whoa! Oh, a little quesadilla dinner with chocolate chip oatmeal cookies uh, for for dessert. I'm in. I'm all in. Jay, <laughs> what are we having to drink, Army? Uh, we have visited the uh, the senior store a few times to get some beverages. I'm not gonna lie to you. <laughs> <laughs> you and me both. You and me both, buddy. Are you are you a wine guy, Army? Yeah, I, I do like red wines, and uh, uh, but I, but I'm not a, I'm not a wine snob. <laughs> I'll, I'll jump into the Tito's when it's available too. Well, well, that's like Jamie. He's been telling us he's he's diving more into the wine, and I think what. What's going on here is if it says wine on the front, if it says wine on the label, Jamie's just drinking it. So he's not much of a snob either. (laughs) Now, this is true. And we had Pierre Lebron on yesterday, and I asked him for, I don't know, a couple of recommendations because I'm kind of novice at this thing. I mean, much like yourself, I'm like, okay, I just want to get a wine that I like. And, you know, my paychecks, you know, they don't compare to some of the guys that Pierre Lebron is talking to. He had a suggestion called Conundrum. California Cab, and he said it compares to Camus. Have you ever heard of it? Oh, no, I haven't, but I, do, I, I have heard of Camus. I'm a, I'm a little bit like you, Riz, where when he, I go out, uh, Al McGuess orders the wine, and he's, a, he's got a very good uh, uh, sense and taste for wine, And but it's usually he also has it's a, it's a uh, three numbers, then a period uh, when he orders that. So, <laughs> so I try and stay away from that stuff, but uh, no, I... That Camus, uh, I've had that at Al's or with Al, and it, it's a great wine. So anything that comes in cheaper than that but tastes as well, uh, count me in and send me that link. Yeah, and, and listen, I used to go out with those guys too, with Al, with Holly, with all the big shots. They order wine. And then the best thing to do, Doug, if I can help you out on this one, is as the bill is coming, make sure <laughs> you go to the bathroom. So that way, they, <laughs> that way, there you enjoy the wine, and then you give the fake reach for the wallet after. You know they're not looking for your money. You're like, oh, uh, all right, I get the next one, and then you wait a couple months. We'll stop and grab a beer on the way home. I'll pick that up. There you, there go, you go, exactly. <laughs> Army, we appreciate it. Thanks for having some fun with us today, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you again soon. Guys, thanks a lot for having me on. Stay safe. Once again, that's Blues President of Hockey Operations, Doug Armstrong, from earlier today on Stalter and Rivers here on 101 ESPN. When we come back, what is going on out in Las Vegas? What is going to happen with the Golden Knights if the the season returns? We'll talk all of that with the play-by-play man for the Las Vegas Golden Knights, Dave Gosher, next here on This Week in Hockey on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN. All right, welcome back into this week in hockey. Glad to have you with us here in hour number two. You just heard from Doug Armstrong, who earlier today joined uh, Stalter and Rivers on the Stalter and Rivers show, talking about how busy his last week or so has been with all the signings. But uh, we decided let's bounce around the league a little bit and uh, pleased to be joined by not only a good friend, but uh, terrific, terrific play-by-play man. And that is Dave Gosher, the television voice of the Vegas Golden Knights. He was a longtime voice of 18, 17, 18 years with the Boston Bruins. He was the one that belled out to get the duck boats ready in 2011, and they got them ready. They had a parade, and Dave Gosher, kind enough to join us. Now, Dave, uh, how the heck are you, and how are things out in Las Vegas? Hey, Curbs. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, things are good. I think we're all just in the same boat, right? We've, um, I think we've had a little bit of, of a couple of things that have, we've benefited from in in Vegas and in Nevada in general. The the weather has been uh, it's been pretty good. You know, as I talk to you right now, it's a nice sunny sixty five degree day, so I think that always probably helps your mood a little bit. And 
com, you know, comparatively speaking, our our COVID numbers in in the state have fortunately, very fortunately, been been fairly low. So, you know, we have certainly um, been lucky in that aspect when you consider just how many different areas of the country and obviously the world that have been hit real hard with this. So, yeah, we're trying to, I think, make the boat the most of what is uh, obviously not an ideal situation for anyone these days. Hey, let me ask you this real quick before we end up uh, getting into hockey in the Vegas Golden Knights and kind of where things stood before the pause hit. What is Las Vegas like with the strip totally shut down? Yeah, eerily quiet, Curbs, eerily quiet. You know, it's uh, one of the, as you know, and most people know, one of the most vibrant places on the planet on, on every day, every night. You know, we say there's no, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a Saturday night or a random Tuesday night. It, there's always something to do. There's always a show to see, and there's always excitement and, and a lot of energy down there. So, uh, frankly, I haven't, let's see, I, I have not been there probably since our last home game, which is going back a little ways now. And But just to see news reports and, and views of the Strip, um, I guess maybe it's kind of like Times Square in New York, of just so quiet that you, you'd never in a million years ever think you would see it like that. Dave, how has this, um, I guess, this whole thing affected the Vegas Golden Knights from a hockey standpoint? Uh, because there was some serious momentum. Uh, coming from the team in the West and the Vegas Golden Knights, a lot of people had them pegged maybe as the team, the contender to come out of the West this year. They did some great, I, I believe, trade acquisitions. You bring in Robin Leonard, you have Cousins, you add Martinez, a lot of great pieces added to a new coach that was brought in that had some success with Peter DeBoer, and now there's a stoppage. So um, I guess just your general thoughts about where this team was heading before this whole COVID-19 thing came, came into play. Yeah, Joey, from the hockey standpoint, you're exactly right. They were playing their best hockey of the season. You know, they had um, ripped off, recently had ripped off eight in a row and 11 out of 13. And I think the math was they were 15-5-2 and two under Pete DeBoer. So, you know, there was a lot of debate and a lot of it warranted about making the coaching change and was it right or not right. Well, the, the numbers have bared it out that the, the team has certainly responded to Pete DeBoer. You mentioned the additions. You know, they, they needed they, – they wanted to try and strengthen their team at all three positions, up front and then on the blue line and then in net, and they did that with, with Cousins, Martinez, and Leonard. And, you know, one of the – I just and they're not alone in this, but one of the, the unfortunate aspects of where we're all at right now is, you know, I think this team was poised to hopefully make a, a pretty good run at it, and maybe that does happen as we, we move along in time. But, yeah, just they had um, – They'd really put together a real good stretch. They had come off a couple of big wins in Calgary and Edmonton. Uh, we flew back to Vegas for about a day and a half, then flew to St. Paul. And the night before our game of the Wild was when Rudy Gobert tested positive. And then we all know what happened from there with the NBA pausing and the NHL and pretty much everything else. Dave, we know the uncertainty right now is a big question for what the off season and what next season could look like for some teams. And in St. Louis, the conversation is what does that mean for Alex Petrangelo in the contract situation? Is there some type of question surrounding the Vegas Golden Knights of what uh, what the potential salary cap situation next year could could affect the team with? The Golden Knights were up against it all year long. I mean, they they were sending players, you know, back to their AHL team in Chicago. Um, you know, I think I always get a, a popsicle headache when I talk too much about the cap because I don't really understand a lot of it. <laughs> but, you know, you accrue cap space throughout the season, and they were sending players back and forth to the American League just to accrue as much cap space as they could. So, 
Lord knows what happens here with escrow and, and how that might affect the cap moving forward. Um, you know, the Golden Knights in terms of, of UFAs kind of thinking off the cuff, Robin Leonard's uh, at the top of that list. I want to say most of their core, though, they do have signed uh, to long-term deals. You know, they've, they've been able to do that over the last few years, but I don't know what any of it's going to look like come, you know, if if they're not able to straighten this out and, and you know, the hockey-related revenue and everything else that gives you a headache. But, yeah, they're, um, they've are they been right up against it all year long, and depending on what the cap looks like, you know, moving forward, they may have some decisions to make. Let's assume the mathematicians, the PA, and the NHL can get together and figure that part out. And then th- this, we're able to continue the season. I, I truly believe... And, and I honestly, I don't know if I'm reading tea leaves with hope or I'm actually trying to read tea leaves with common sense. But I just I just get the vibe and the feeling that there's going to be a window for the NHL to resume its season and play the playoffs. And what that's going to look like, of course, that still remains to be seen. But I really do believe that there's enough desire, and then some sports are going to get going even without fans in the stands at the NHL and the NBA. They're going to find a way to do it. Had that being the case, this break, this pause, completely changes the potential final 10-game slash playoff scenario in terms of competition on the ice. I'm not talking setup. I'm talking competition on the ice. Because, Dave, all of a sudden, you know, uh, whether it be Landis Cog, whether it be Nathan McKinnon, whether it be Vladimir Tarasenko, uh, anybody with it, that you had with the Golden Knights, guys had plenty of time to get healthy, and the league has never seen a playoff run where people have been as healthy and rested as they potentially could be for this scenario. Yeah, I think you're right, Curbs. And I'll just so on the Golden Knights side, their two best players all year have been Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone. They were both injured at the time of the pause. You know, I think Stone was looking to target coming back late March, early April, kind of right before the end of what was going to be the you know the originally planned regular season i don't know if patch already had ever missed any games but he was he was injured and if i want to say if we had played that game in minnesota he was going to miss that he was going to be out probably for you know three or four weeks well now to your point you know all by the let's you know and i i, I love your optimism let's say they can sort it out and find a way to play um you know patch already was telling our our uh, our team insider Gary Lawless uh, a couple of days ago, he said he thinks it would be the most um, hard-fought Stanley Cup to ever win because I agree. most teams, when you get to the playoffs, as much as you love being there, there's nobody that's not banged up to a certain extent. Well, now, you know, now you'll be you'll be as fresh as you possibly can be. I don't know, you know, I, I do worry a little bit about the the potential danger for injuries there. You know, the old groin pulls, hamstring pulls, back spasms, the whole nine yards. But, hey, that being said, and, and Joey could speak to this, I mean, if you're a team that misses the playoffs, you're you're not playing competitive games again for six months between early April and, and uh, the following October. So I think, you know, you just kind of have to deal with that and it would be a great problem for all of us to have if they can figure it out. Well, Davey, I've spoken to plenty of players, uh, current and retired, that have, have said what you just said, that this could be the toughest Stanley Cup championship uh, ever to be. Uh, with that being said, uh, you know the Blues last year, Dave, as you saw, to me they were built for a seven-game series. Uh, they, it took them 26 games to win the Stanley Cup. I thought they gotten better as the series went on. 
I thought they wore teams down as, as the series has went on. For the Vegas Golden Knights, I know a lot's been said about the schedule, the playoff scenario. Is it going to be best of seven? Is it going to be around Robin? Best of threes, best of five. Based off of how Vegas this year is built, in your opinion, um, are they suited better for a best of seven series? Or are they suited better for maybe a, a best of three? Yeah, that's a good question, Joey. I hadn't thought about about it in those terms. Um, I guess maybe a best of seven because I do think their depth let me qualify this. Their depth now, compared to what where they were before the trade deadline, I think they would be fine in a seven-game series because I think they would be able to wear teams down. Um, they were able to address, you know, their 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 third line most of the season has been kind of a black hole for them, be it either through lack of production or injury or both. One player I didn't mention when I was mentioning Patrick and Stone is Alex Tuck, who has battled injuries all year long, he'd be ready to come back, you know, if they were able to resume play. And I think probably their third line would be, you know, a Chandler Stevenson, Alex Tuck, and Nick Cousins for, you know, just kind of thinking off the cuff. The other part where they were able to strengthen was they needed a top four defenseman, and they found that in Alec Martinez, and they needed to strengthen their backup goaltending. And I know in the playoffs you don't really get to that too often, but – you know, quite frankly, Robin Leonard is a, is, a, is a nice upgrade from Malcolm Subban. So, yeah, I think that probably that seven-game series, because I think the fear is, and I don't know how you guys feel, but a, a best of three, I think to a degree all bets are off. I mean, you know, that could oh, be yeah. over in, in 48 hours. Mm-hmm. So I think that would be troubling for, for a lot of the teams considered the quote-unquote, you know, upper echelon teams in, in both the East and the West. Dave, uh, always great catching up with you, bud, and talking hockey. I can't wait to do it again when uh, the puck is flying around the ice. Yeah, for sure, guys. Can't wait to see you in person. Take care. All right. Hey, uh, thanks for the time, buddy. Uh, Stay safe out there, all right? We'll see you real soon. All right. You got it, boys. Great to chat with you. Thanks, Dave. All right. All right, guys. Dave Gosher, a longtime NHL broadcaster, the television voice of the Vegas Golden Knights, joining us here on This Week in Hockey. We'll come back and wrap up the show in a minute right here on 101 ESPN. All right, one final time, we bring you back here into this week in hockey. Uh, Chris Kerber, Alex Ferrari with you, Joe Vitale as well. Uh, Joe had to take off and uh, help take care of the baby, which we love. Family comes first always, so uh, everything's good there. And, you know, that that's, that is kind of one of the interesting perspectives. I know as more and more people are getting frustrated as this um, as, as the rules and, and stuff. And, and, and frankly, I understand a lot of that. But one of the things to keep in mind is maybe you're getting individually frustrated is uh, – if what we're being told on how this virus could spread is accurate, you have people with uh, with older parents, like my dad who's 77, I go out and take care of her. In this case, Joe Vitale, a, a brand newborn baby that hasn't had any vaccines yet because they haven't had a chance to go, uh, you know, so th- those are the ones that, that you worry about. So you may be perfectly healthy, you may be fine, and you're going, why can't I do this? Well, because until they really understand or can do something about it, you could still help spread it to those people that, that, that can't. So, it's, uh, again, just... Just use your head and use some common sense as we throw that out there. All right, a couple things to do here in the final segment. First off, I want to tell you about something, kind of the get out, the get exercise, another way to help support the fight against COVID-19. May 1 to 3, May 1st through the 3rd, it's the Virtual Blue Note 5K. It's presented by McBride Homes. Now, McBride Homes one of the great sponsors of St. Louis Blues Hockey, great partners. They've got uh, communities on both sides of the river, all over uh, the place. They've just opened up. Display homes are now open for La Colina. Homes on the Hill, starting from just the 270s. 
and uh, in other communities as well. They've got a closing cost program where you get anywhere from $2,000 to $10,000 towards closing cost. They've got uh, communities, again, on both sides of the river. It's McBride Homes. Go check out their great inventory at McBrideHomes.com. And especially if you were looking for a home on the hill, to live on the hill in a new home, McBrideHomes.com has it for you. Check it out, McBride Homes. So they bring you the virtual 5K. So what the St. Louis Blues are doing, you can sign up today. Or if you don't want to sign up and you just want to donate, you can do this. The money raised is going to go to the Gateway Resilience Fund, which provides short-term monetary relief to employees and owners of independent bars, restaurants, and shops in the St. Louis area affected by closures and other circumstances brought about by the COVID-19 outbreak. And basically, you sign up, and whether it's on your treadmill, or you go for a jog one morning, keeping your social distancing, any one of those kind of things, you film it, you shoot it, and you put it up on social media using the hashtag all together now for a chance to win great prizes. And a whole bunch of the prizes are listed below on how it works. Go to stlouisblues.com for the virtual 5K. Alex, did you see the, um, and again, that that's presented by McBride Homes. You've, you've seen the director's cut yeah. that the Blues put out over Fantastic the last four weeks. Series. Okay? Four series, director's history made director's cut programs. We got some great news. If for some reason you're not able to get onto YouTube, you know, or so, KSDK is going to broadcast all four of those oh, awesome. over the air TV on uh, Thursday, May 7th. You get the first two editions of director's cut. And then on Thursday, May 14th, you get the next two editions. Prime time, 9 o'clock at night, 9 to 10 o'clock at night on Channel 5. Uh, the Director's Cut History Made, KSDK, is going to be airing them. That's fantastic. So, I loved yeah. every one of those episodes. It was so cool to see the behind-the-scenes stuff. And this is coming from somebody who got to see a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. Speaking of behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, every night when I read that uh, the, the kid's book, and I'm mm-hmm. doing another one at 8 o'clock tonight, I open up like History Made. And I've also done this with Dan O'Neill's book, uh, you know, that, that he yeah. put out, uh, the, the Pictorial History of the St. Louis Blues. Um, these history-made books, which is the official story of the Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues, the pictures are unbelievable. They even have a picture of the urinal, that uh, that uh, the, the famous conversation between between um, Craig Bruby and Carl Gunnarsson happened, right? And uh, you can get these books still at, at stlauthentics.com. That's where you can get all your blues gear, stlauthentics.com. So I brought the book here, and in our final couple minutes, pick a page, uh, one through, is this story, this book goes, uh, um, it's a very thick well, I, book, I, ladies and gentlemen. It, it is. It is pretty thick. Um, let's say. Well, it goes just over two hundred. So it okay. goes two hundred and five. One through two hundred and five. Pick a page. We'll open it up and see what's on it. One sixty-seven. One sixty-seven. All right. Now that I know where the page numbers are, this ought to be a piece of cake. One sixty-seven. What is on page one sixty-seven? Got History made. Uh, Robbie Fabry's day with the Stanley Cup and a picture of Robert Bortuzzo eating cold cuts out of the cup. All right, uh, pick another page. 47. 47. I'm just and, trying and, to make you flip back no, and forth. that's fine. And this is all in, uh, this is all in, um, in chronological order. So page 47, 45, 46 is actually, it's a full page picture of the Blues against the Dallas Stars, right? And so uh, that's a regular season shot. That they had there, uh, so that was back in January. Okay, I'll uh, give you another one. Up, yeah. uh, let's do, hmm, let's do ninety-four. Ninety-four. Peter Nedved's Peter, number. I was just about to throw God, that out there. Well, two done. hockey guys. Uh, ninety-four. It's how I remember my hotel rooms, by the way. <laughs> ninety-four is uh, pictures and a synopsis of Game Three 
Blues against the Dallas Stars in the second round. It was on Monday night, April 29th at the American Airlines Center. That's the one where Pat Maroon jammed that puck in on Ben Bishop to win the, the game. the 5-4 final score. Yep. Look at four, me pulling three. out. Four, or 4-3, three. Three, that's right. Four, Look three. at me pulling out a Blues victory there. All right, we got time for one more. One more? Okay, let's do... This, these are page numbers and what's on yeah. the page in the history-made book uh, by the St. Louis Blues. Let's do 142. 142. I look up page 142. Thinking that's another person's day with a cup. Boom. Parade and rally. Oh, yes. Parade and rally. The great picture of the arch. Uh, and then a uh, quote from Tom Stillman, a picture of Craig Berube. So, I mean, this is a pretty sweet book, isn't it? Oh, it, phenomenal yeah. book. That was my favorite moment out of the. And I was in Boston for game seven. I was on the ice, but my, that parade and being on that route. Well, I will never forget it. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. Anyway, yeah. it's a history-made book, the official story of the Stanley Cup 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. You can get it online and have it delivered. Copies are still available at stlauthentics.com, stlauthentics.com. So make sure you check out all of that, and that is going to wrap it up for us tonight here on This Week in Hockey. A big thank you to the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber and Joe Vitale, always a part of the program, to Mike Ryder for helping us put all of this together. And, of course, we will be back with you tomorrow night for the Boardwalk Hardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber will highlight Al Arbor as the head coach for the St. Louis Blues. We'll chat with Ray Ferraro and Bobby Plager. And then Thursday and Friday, it's Play Glory, the St. Louis Blues run to the Stanley Cup. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. We'll talk to you for more Blues hockey tomorrow here on your home for the St. Louis Blues 101 ESPN.